I would probably say about five or six years ago, there was a, a time at school where I just was having a couple of really bad days. And I said to myself, it's like, how much longer or what do I need to do to get out? You know, I, that's basically what it was. I, I started a five-year plan from there and said, how much money do I need and how many more properties do I need to attain in order to not have to work again? Thanks all for tuning into Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life forward to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dreams. Are you ready? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dream Catchers Podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and I've got the distinct pleasure of interviewing Frank Pantolano today. And I know I messed it up, and I'm sorry, Frank, but we'll get into a little bit deeper on that. I don't even, where is that? Is that Italian? Like, where, where is Patalano from? Yeah, my dad was Italian. It's Patalano. That was good the second time. Yeah. Practice makes better. I don't think it makes perfect, but it makes better. I met Frank at the Ultimate Partner event this past weekend in Boston, and I didn't realize I was talking to a celebrity. So Frank's one of the hosts for the Cashflow Kings podcast. And, you know, as I began listening to him and getting to know him as a person, I realized that he was a teacher. And a few weeks ago, he retired himself through investing in real estate. So with that, Frank, let me throw it over to you and let you give a little background on you know, what you've been doing for the past few years and what you're focused on today. Well, thank you, Jerome. So it was awesome to meet you as well. And uh, I took the red pill uh, a few years ago. So uh, everybody can do it no matter what. Uh, there's people that always uh, say that they can't start. They, there's all these excuses, everything else. And uh, if you take time, you can actually make it happen. So uh, talk about my real estate background. Uh, so uh, you know, full-time school teacher, started teaching around 2001. and. Uh, Love teaching, love the kids. I taught American history. I taught ancient history for a while. I love talking about history. But what happened was, is that when I was a kid, my grandparents actually owned a couple of properties. And uh, my dad said, don't do that. Go and get a real job, get a real degree, safe, secure job, seriously. And uh, I did. Uh, my dad died when I was 17. So, uh, what happened was that uh, when I was in my 20s, as I was teaching, I read a book that everybody's supposed to read, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And uh, that really made me start thinking about uh, investing in many different ways. And I've always loved the concept of investing in business and everything else. But uh, real estate was the way I, w I decided to go in my life. And uh, let's see. So at the top of the last cycle, which was around 2005, we bought our first house, the house that we still live in. And uh, then I said to myself, well, why don't we buy some investment property? So uh, when we bought our first uh, three family, actually before that, I actually bought some vacant land. 
and I thought I was doing all these amazing things. I went down an auction in New York City. I tried not to pay top dollar, but uh, I actually lost money on that deal. I lost about $20,000, and uh, it was crazy. But um, I, I went with it anyway, and uh, I kept working, and I worked a side job, second job as well, and uh, bought a bought a three-family in Rhode Island, and uh, got a decent price on it. It was a foreclosure. It was not an amazing price. Um, and then just basically got, got the bug and uh, kept trying to buy one property or so every year. And uh, here we are about 10 years later. And uh, we have about 15 units myself and then about another 50 with partners and then another uh, 700 doors or so through syndications. And uh, with all that, yeah. Uh, with all that, uh, I was able to uh, retire uh, from teaching, which was pretty awesome. I mean, I, like I said, I love the kids, but teaching's changed a lot. You know, uh, we don't even have a book in class anymore. It's just so different. Wow. So very few people that I know are accredited investors, Frank. And that's one of the things that you and I talked about. Will you explain what that actually means to the listeners? Sure. So there's two ways to be an accredited investor, two main ways. The first way is through income. Now, being a school teacher, I'm not going to get enough income, even though we do pretty well, I'm not going to get enough income to be accredited that way. Um, for one job, it would be uh, $200,000 a year. Or uh, if with your spouse, it could be $300,000 a year combined. So that's one way to be an accredited investor. Um, my wife and I became accredited investors uh, the opposite way. It's through assets. Uh, we built up enough assets through real estate that um, as long as you have more than a million dollars of assets, not counting your own personal house, okay, and you plan on keeping that for a while. So if you're worth $1.1 million, but you have a $600,000 house, you're not an accredited investor. Um, you really have to build up. Uh, we have eight different LLCs. Um, we're not killing it anyway. I mean, we're doing okay, but there are people I know that are actually killing it. We just, uh, we're doing, we're doing well. I like it. So where did the bias come to buy assets, right? Because a lot of school teachers I know, they just try to do enough to get by, you know, it's kind of a quality of life thing, right? They get the summers off, they get off, you know, three or four o'clock in the evening. So, but, you know, every now and again, I hear them complain about how they get compensated, but you decided to do something different, right? I mean, retire at 41. I mean, people who are in corporate America making $200,000 a year aren't retiring at your age. So what made you, I guess, create cash flow outside of your job? Because I mean, teachers don't get laid off very frequently. So there's a lot of security or stability or even safety there. So what, what made you, you know, go the different path? So one of my goals was that I did not want to work forever, okay? I, I saw, like you said, I know people that are teachers that are still that are 70 years old and 72, 73 years old. It's like, I love them and everything else, but I don't want to be that teacher that's like burned out and still there, et cetera. I want to have a, I, I want to have a passion for learning, a love of education, but I also want to move on too. And that actually helped me in teaching was the fact that I always – tried to be better okay i'm not saying i was amazing in the classroom in any way but just the whole concept of even bettering myself you know what i mean 
So just buying uh, one or two deals, when you start to learn that, wow, you can make money. You know, some people like to spend a lot. I'm not a big spender. I mean, I don't drive a fancy car. Um, we don't go on crazy vacations. But, uh, you know, my wife still uses coupons, stuff like that. You know, at the same point, we're not super cheap either. We're not like the TV shows like TLC or whatever where they have uh, ultimate uh, sacrifice or whatever they call those shows, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. So I, I think what you're kind of describing is a concept I call it selective extravagance, right? Where you know what you want and you're willing to spend money on that and all the other stuff you can do without. And so, I, so I'm like very much that. a book reader. And okay. uh, I like the, uh, the Millionaire Next Door is a good way to start. Okay. If you read that book, uh, you realize that um, many people are there buying things that so they're buying that new car, that expensive car. Don't get me wrong. I buy new cars once every 10 years, whether I need to or not. But it's not like a, a high-end Maserati or something. And think about it. When you pull up to that streetlight, that person next to you, do they really care what you're driving? I mean, they might get jealous for a few seconds, but you're never going to see that person again. Oh, my gosh. You're killing me. I'm a car guy. Cut it out, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> no, by the way, like you said, there's things you can enjoy. I mean, I, I've been to a couple car shows and stuff like that. I, may, I have at some point, maybe I'll dr drive a Corvette, but I highly doubt it. <laughs> Unnecessary. You probably buy another building before you buy a Corvette would be my guess. Uh, absolutely. We just sold a, um, I sold a building last week and I'm selling uh selling a house uh, today. Uh, I've, oh. I've already signed my end of the closing docs, but uh, we'll have, uh, we'll have six, we'll have, you know, 80 to a hundred thousand that we could spend on the next investment. And uh, like I said, I'm not going to buy that Corvette. Yeah. I'd okay. love to, but it's not, it's not the right thing to do. I don't know, man. That 2020 is pretty sweet, but okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen the 2020 yet. So oh, well, where have you been? Are you under a rock? Come on. You right, so up what, what color? It's what? Red, of course. I was going to say, what, what color for you? Red and black. Red and black. The same formula every time. Red and black. We can put, I took the red pill right on the side of it. We can. The dream should be real. <laughs> so let, let's, let's dive into defining moments, Frank. I mean, I think everybody has probably two, three, maybe four defining moments. If you think back across the course of your life, you, I think you mentioned one where it was your father saying, get a job and not do the real estate thing. And of course, like every good kid, you don't listen to what your parents tell you to do, right? You go do the opposite thing. But kind of give me three defining moments if you think back across you know, your life and kind of what the moment was and what it meant for you. Uh, that's tough. Uh, and by the way, uh, I did follow my dad, but I'll tell you why in a minute. So my dad actually um, was a police officer and he owned uh, his, his parents owned a few real estate properties, but he did, and I saw him always working on it and he didn't teach me or train me how to lift a hammer or anything else like that. He really did not want me to do it. But so when he, when he died, when I was 17, that first defining moment, um, I decided that, you know what, I'm going to get that real job. So I could have done real estate then, but when he died, when I was uh, between junior and senior year of high school, I decided to take uh, one of those safe, secure job paths. Uh, second defining moment would have been when I met my wife. Uh, we were actually high school sweethearts. And uh, she became a teacher, and I decided to follow her track. Um, third defining moment's a little tough. I would probably say about 
five or six years ago, there was a, a time at school where I just was having a couple of really bad days. And I said to myself, it's like, how much longer or what do I need to do to get out? You know, I, that's basically what it was. I, I started a five-year plan from there and said, how much money do I need and how many more properties do I need to attain in order to not have to work again? And so was that a specific amount of income? Like what, how did you know that you had permission to get out based on your plan? Um, so I'm one of those people that believes that God has a plan for all of us. And uh, with that, I didn't necessarily have an exact number, but I knew that if I kept going and kept growing, and at the end of the year when I saw the tax returns, I knew that I would eventually get enough. And I got to the point where at five years, I said, I guess it was a five-year plan, so I thought we have enough now that we can pull it off. Now, at the same point, my wife's still working, so it's not like we're completely gangbusters, like taking trips to Santorini or anything like that. But uh, my goal is for within the next five years to get her out too. You know, she's she's not um, she's not a hundred percent on board. She loves her job, and uh, we'll see. But uh, it'll be available when she's ready. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all about choices, right? I mean, yep. people don't really want the money; they want the choices that money gives them. Um, they want the freedom. Yeah, the freedom to make the choice. Um, wow. So. You met your wife. Tell me a little bit about that. High school sweethearts, you're years and years and years into the game. I think there's <laughs> some kids running around. What's going on with that, man? So my wife uh, is amazing. We've been married now for uh, 19 years next week. Uh, we met, uh, like I said, junior year of high school. Uh, I was from uh, upstate New York. My house was completely ransacked and vandalized. Uh, so my dad moved back to his home, basically in Rhode Island. And uh, first week of school, junior year, I met her. Uh, she busted my butt because I was such a neat person. And I wasn't like the average uh, kid wearing their parents hanging down, et cetera. So uh, we hit it off. Uh, we started going out senior year. And then we got married after college. We have uh, three kids now. Uh, my oldest is the future CEO of the Empire. Uh, she is 12, and then I have uh, eight-year-old boy-girl twins, and uh, they're all awesome. Uh, I love spending time with them, and uh, they have the business bug already, which is awesome. So tell me about the CEO of the empire. It's very interesting that you characterize it that way, but, you know, when I think of Kay, I, I see the same thing. It's, you know, they want to understand how it all works and how it goes together. But talk to me about being the patriarch. Talk to me about what you are building and why you're building it the way you are. Sounds good. So if you think about it, our life is not just about ourselves. It's about our future generations. It's about planting seeds of knowledge. Think about all the things that you've learned and you want to give that to your children to give them a better advantage in life so they can do whatever they want. Okay, so uh, my oldest, uh, she's a workaholic like, like I have been. Um, she's in scouts, she sings, she runs cross country. She's always doing everything possible. Like I said, she has that business leadership skills. We have her in Girl Scouts. Uh, between the two girls, they sold 1,200 boxes of Girl Scout cookies last year. Um, I read to her. 
We've read Rich Dad Poor Dad together. We've read uh, the Dave Ramsey and his daughter book together, stuff like that. We'll sit down sometimes and we'll look at commercial real estate. We'll look at larger multifamilies right on LoopNet or whatever together. You know. Now, I'm not saying she has to do that path. She's thought about being a teacher, but I want her to have the knowledge if she wants to, she can. And I think the important thing that you're doing is you're setting up income for them, right? So she can go do whatever she wants to regardless of the pay. And I mean, for Absolutely. that, that freedom piece, the choices, uh, it's amazing. So I applaud you. Thank you. I so for example, with that, um, my twins, it was very exciting because uh, Tuesday we went down to TD Ameritrade and they both took uh, part of their allowance. Uh, we separate them into four different uh, pieces of allowance, uh, saving, spending, investing, and charity. And the investment money they actually deposit into accounts and they bought uh, ETFs this week at the age of eight because I want them to be owners, not just employees. Teach them while they're young and, you know, they'll, they'll do what they're supposed to do. Okay, so you threw another word out there and I kind of let us get a far away from it, but you said syndication. What, 700 doors through syndication, what, what does that really mean? Sure, so um, syndication is like this uh, partnership between a few investors and what they do is they go out and they'll, they'll take down some bigger multifamily complex or it doesn't have to be multifamily, but just a piece of real estate. It's usually something they can't do on their own. So you work together with a few other investors and you make it happen. We've invested in um, a few different ones. Uh, so. You might only own a few percentage points. I mean, right now we're looking at one that will own 15% of a 32 unit, you know, or we'll own only like 2% of like a 400 unit. You know, it's kind of like in between buying something yourself and buying a REIT. It's like that in between stage where on a REIT, you might only own like one one thousandth of a percent of a property. And if you own it yourself, you might own like 100% of the property. This is something in between. I like it. I like it. So what got you into like multifamily investing? Why, why that as a vehicle instead of retail or some like online teaching or something? So real estate has a ton of different advantages. Uh, it has advantages with uh, leverage, has uh, tax advantages. I mean, it's very hard to take a stock and to uh, borrow money to actually buy that stock. But if you have a, uh, an asset like real estate that's paying you, people are paying to live there. Uh, a bank is more willing to lend on it. You know, a bank won't even let you borrow money to buy their stock, but they'll let you borrow money to buy a three-family or a triplex, depending on what part of the country you're in. It's interesting because you threw Dave Ramsey in there, and Dave says don't borrow money. So what do you say to the folks who are Dave Ramsey? I'm more Kiyosaki than Ramsey, so... So it's funny to say that. Um, I love both. And uh, I joke that it's like uh, I have like an angel and a devil on both sides of my shoulders all the time with like Dave Ramsey on one side and Robert Kiyosaki on the other. And I won't tell you which one's which. But uh, it all depends on the situation, I guess. But uh, no, they, um, Dave Ramsey is awesome. Uh, I always have people look at Dave Ramsey first, especially with a paying down of debt, especially high interest debt. I have people every day that talk about like college loans and people always ask me for advice. I thought about becoming a certified financial planner, which is another way to educate people. But instead we're doing it through our podcast in other ways, just uh, teaching about real estate. So 
early on, you mentioned that you lost money on your first deal. Um, and I think the majority of our biggest lessons come through loss. What are, what would be kind of the three biggest lessons you've learned either in real estate or just in life in general? Sure. So I've gotten to the point where I feel that failure is okay once in a while. I'm not saying to go skydiving without a parachute or anything, but just the whole concept that in school, we teach that failure is always bad. And that's not true. Failure gives you opportunities to learn lessons. Okay? Failures make you stronger. That first time you ride a bike, you're going to fall off. Okay? Over time, you're going to get right back up. When you were a little toddler and you started crawling and walking, you fell and then you got back up. Same thing with real estate and every other business and every other chance in your life. Go out there, take a chance, okay? You're going to fall down. You're going to have a little failure once in a while, but you're going to learn from it and you're going to get better. Let's see. Uh, give you an example. Uh, even recently, I mean, I still lose money on a deal once in a while. Uh, we had a property where I missed that it was uh, legally a residential property. It's, it's a 50-year-old building. It was always a commercial building. But when the last commercial tenant left, when they went up to put the building up for sale, I assumed, and you know what happens when you assume, I assumed that it was still going to be considered commercial. But um, the city uh, forced me to do something residential with it. Now, I could have fought the city up, but it's a small parcel. And uh, I decided to just turn it into a house lose a couple bucks and just move on, you know, but I tell you what, taking risks is what makes you better. Make you rich if you're right too. <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely. You're going to take risks. I mean, if you don't take any risks, you're never going to get anywhere in life. Okay. Don't you agree? Absolutely. I think you have to. I'm, I'm probably pushing all the chips in. So I, I'm at this, uh, I think I'm in a defining moment for myself as I transition into syndication and bigger deals. Um, it's, it's aggressive. And fortunately we haven't been hit with anything too bad. Um, everything we're, we've made a misstep. We've been able to correct, but um, so no really glaring. I think my worst um, thing was modeling something and missing the taxes on it. And I put a thousand in and annually they're 10,000. That's a little different, but the property is big enough that it's able to cover it up. So, you know, not too bad there. That's a big difference, but uh, it taking that action builds that experience. I mean, what do they say sometimes? How do you how do you get better at something through experience? Well, how do you gain experience <laughs> by failing once in a while? You know, those little things. Yeah, no question. So let's um. What gift are you giving the world, Frank? You, you jumped out the classroom. I imagine most teachers believe spending the time in the classroom is their gift. Now that you've transitioned, what, what gift are you giving the world? So we're still educating people, but uh, we're educating people more through social media. Um, we're always giving out ideas on uh, how to become better at real estate. We talk about mindset, money, investing. Uh, I'm always still a mentoring. I'm giving advice. Uh, there's always people asking questions. And uh, I know some people say that uh, free advice isn't worth much, but uh, I have experienced advice. And sometimes it's free. I mean, we do have a charging program. 
uh, for mentoring too, because you can only spend so much time uh, doing things for free. Um, Jimmy, uh, my partner on the Cashflow Kings, he's always big on that cup of coffee, $4. We just made you $10,000, $20,000. We can't always be giving away, you know, for a $4 cup of coffee chat. And I do, I, I struggle with that just because I was teaching so long. The fact that I'm a very giving person, but um, we're working on it because uh, that's one way for me to uh, generate a little side income besides uh, my cash flow in real estate. So talk to me about cash. Hey guys, back in 2016, me and the team decided to formalize Dreamcatchers as an organization that can help people achieve their wildest dreams. If this is you, please visit our website at dreamshouldbereal.com in order to find out the details of our services and how we can help you become a Dreamcatcher. Talk to you soon. So talk to me about Cashflow Kings. How did it start? What What's the difference? Because, I mean, why, why do we need another real estate podcast, man? Tell me tell me why Cashflow Kings is special. Sure. So um, Jimmy has a background in uh, – he's my partner. And he thought of the idea of uh, Cashflow Kings. And uh, Jimmy, my partner, he manages about 500 units as a property manager. And uh, he's done some amazing house hacks. He bought a four unit, lived in one unit, upgraded, bought another four unit, lived in it, et cetera. But um, what I did is uh, for my education background, he has a finance background. For my education background, I figured out ways to just learn how to make money that is even more passive than what he does. So just between the two of us, we have a pretty good uh, way to teach people about making money and doing real estate. So for example, I don't lift a hammer. Uh, ever. Okay. I don't mow lawns. Uh, I run numbers. Um, I, I just find a good deal. I network a lot as you know, and, uh, that's how I make money. So people don't get me wrong. Equity is important. Our first deal or two, but you get to the point where you're not doing all the work. Okay. You have to use other people's time and other. So, I don't lift a hammer. Uh, I don't mow lawns, anything, anything like that anymore. I just take the numbers and run with them. And if it works, it works. You got to realize uh, sweat equity is important, especially when you're starting out. But beyond that, I mean, you don't want to be doing the work forever. You, know, yeah. you got to use other people's time and other people's money. Yeah. I mean, that part, I think a lot of us underestimate because the, the whole value is in scale, right? The big companies are seen as stable and safe because they're big, maybe too big to fail, you know? Um, and I think we can build stuff that's pretty big. Now, some of us may say we don't want that headache or we don't want those obligations, but the bigger it gets, the more freedom you get is what I've seen or noticed from folks who I've seen build big stuff. I'm not sure. So if to go sure. with that, I mean, I own properties that I've never been to that, uh, shoot, I own properties I never even put any money into. Um, there's been deals before that are, uh, it was a two family in not the best area of Providence that um, I bought for 28,000. Let's go back about four or five years ago. Um, there was a title issue. Uh, we cleaned up the title issue. We sold it to the first floor tenants for 65. Uh, I had never been on the, pro on the property. You know, we paid people to take care of everything. That's awesome, man. So, Frank, what are you most grateful for? Say the question again. I didn't hear it. Sorry. What are you most grateful for? 
I am grateful that uh, my wife is around and helps take care of the kids and helps make uh, an awesome life. Uh, she works very hard. And uh, besides that, I'm grateful for just uh, being able to get up every day and uh, do what I want to do now. I love it. Hey, man. To say you said your wife's awesome or great about four times in the past hour, so she's either really awesome or you've been trained really well. I'm not sure which one it is right <laughs> now, but you said the same thing when I saw you were recording. So I believe that you know she's a pretty special lady, and you know all these years and to do it from high school going up. I mean that's great. Um, well, I got to be honest with you, we don't see eye to eye on real estate necessarily. <laughs> Talk more about that because that's your passion. Tell me more. Yeah. So there are some people that I know that they're awesome, that they have quite a relationship and that they both want to be in real estate. She has no desire to be in real estate and she actually worries that real estate takes up too much of my time. But besides that, I wouldn't say we necessarily fight over it. She knows that it's something that I love to do and she lets me run with it. Yeah. She'll appreciate real estate more when you get her free. There you go. That's that's the goal. So I guess my last question is um, what if people kind of blanked out for the past 30 or 40 minutes and they only heard the next sentence or paragraph, what would you want people to take away from this conversation? Wow, that is pretty powerful. <laughs> um, it would be take action, take a risk, try to find a way to make money so that just in case you ever want to leave your job, you can. And failure is okay. I think that's perfect, man. And it, I, I really think that's a perfect way to end this episode. Frank, I appreciate the time. Um, I look forward to catching up on some more episodes of Cashflow Kings. Um, I feel like, again, I met a celebrity over the weekend. I, I really love you guys' podcast. And, um, hey, guys, if you made it to this point of the interview, you really like what you're hearing. And so we really appreciate you giving us a five-star rating and review and subscribing to the podcast and potentially sharing it with somebody in your network who can benefit from being attached to the dream catchers podcast. Talk to you guys soon. If you want to learn more about dream catchers, please visit the website at dreamsuperreal.com. If you can think of someone who would benefit from these types of opportunities and are willing to share what we're doing with them, we would greatly appreciate it.